Welcome into Logue's Lounge. I'm your host, Brian Logue. You may know this podcast as its former name of Brian, Aaron, and sometimes Jamie. Uh, I'm flying solo for the moment. Uh, Aaron and Jamie don't want to participate, and that's fine. Um, And that's probably why this podcast is taking so long to get off the ground. Um, Not saying they won't be back or one of the two None of them. I don't know who will be back. Uh, But for right now, I just wanted to get my voice out there and update uh, this podcast and let it know, let everybody know that I didn't forget about it. I am still working on it. Um, Obviously, COVID has been going on and things have been kind of crazy for the past seven, eight months. Sports were gone for a little while. Um, And now they're back and they're starting to wrap up. A lot of the seasons are finishing up. We just had um, the end of the World Series. And if you listen to the introductory episode, you'll know that I live down here in the Tampa Bay area. And the Tampa Bay Rays just lost in six games to the Dodgers. Uh, Tampa put up a hell of a fight. Um, Personally, I think Kevin Cash was wrong for removing Blake Snell in the sixth inning. But I'm not a major league manager, so what do I know? Um... Tampa will be back. They're one of those teams that's really good every year. We also had uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning win the Stanley Cup uh, while we've been away. Uh, So it's been a good time uh, to be a Tampa Bay sports fan uh, these past few months. And also the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are rolling along. Tom Brady's down here now. Gronk's here. Antonio Brown will be here. Uh, Bucks defense looks tremendous. Their offense is rolling. Uh, the Super Bowl is here in Tampa this year, uh, so the Bucks are looking to be the first team uh, to play in their home stadium for the Super Bowl, which at this rate, it seems like they have a really good chance to do, and it's a really good possibility. The NFC is a little on the weaker side, I think, this season. Uh, you have Seattle at the top and then Green Bay, and it's really kind of everybody else is just kind of there. Um New Orleans doesn't look as good as they have been uh, the past few seasons. Um, So we'll see. We'll see what's going on and what's going to happen. But the Bucs are looking really good. You'll know if you listen to the last episode that my team is the Atlanta Falcons. And it's been a tough couple years uh, to be a fan. Two back-to-back 7-9 seasons. Started off 0-5 this season. And that was enough to finally get... Dan Quinn and Thomas Dimitrov fired um, and Raheem Morris took over the head coaching job and Jeff Ulbrich is now the defensive coordinator. Unfortunately, uh, Dirk Cutter is still the offensive coordinator and since Morris has taken over, the Falcons are now 2-1 after their Thursday night victory over the Carolina Panthers yesterday. Um... Honestly, the, the Falcons over these past three games under Morris have looked a lot better. Um, defensively, they've, they've looked much better. And it's, I don't know if it was just a, a matter of Dan Quinn being that bad um, or coaching or, or whatever the deal was, but there's been some big changes uh, that you'll notice over these past couple weeks. Um, it seems like Falcons are blitzing more. Um, they're using people differently, which is good. 
Keanu Neal looks healthy, um, which he hasn't for, you know, if you pay attention to the Falcons at all, you'll know that in 2018, he tore his ACL. And then in 2019, uh, he tore his Achilles. So to see Keanu Neal back and healthy and the way he's looked over the past couple games has been great to see. So I'm really happy with how he's coming along. Um, but the problems that plagued this team over the past, I don't know, well, especially just this season alone. Let's just talk about this season and not go back to uh, anything the past previous seasons. But this season, so I mentioned that Dan Quinn was fired after week five against Carolina. Um, and honestly, right now, um, Atlanta should be five and three instead of two and six. You look at their losses. I mean, they've just been brutal. Uh, the game against Dallas, uh, they lost on a last-second field goal. That was where they forgot to recover the onside kick. They looked like they were waiting for it to go 10 yards. Week three against Chicago, uh, Nick Foles came in relief of Mitchell Trubisky and led the Bears back from a 20-point deficit, which was crazy. Um, the game against Green Bay, uh, they pretty much got handled in that one. Um, there was really nothing that they could do there. The first game against Carolina that they lost 23-16, to 16, it looked like uh, they had a sh- they had a chance uh, to win that game as well. Um, the Minnesota game, they thoroughly dominated. And this was the first game after Dan Quinn was relieved of his duties. So they put t- together probably their best performance of the season against Minnesota there. Um, and then last week, week seven against Detroit, this was the another one that they came out um, on the losing end after giving up another late lead. Um, so you think that these coaching changes were going to change the mentality of this team and get them in a better spot. And it just looks like they're continuing to do the same thing. Um, the big Todd Gurley mistake against Detroit where he went into the end zone to score the touchdown where there was audio clearly that Matt Ryan said, do not score, uh, get down to the one yard line and then run the clock down, kick the game winning field goal and it's over. But instead Gurley gets in the end zone, leaves Detroit, Matt Stafford, a minute four, no timeouts. They drive 75 yards in on the last play of the game. Atlanta loses again, 23-22. On to yesterday. Uh, yeah, they won 25-17 against Carolina, but again, um, Carolina had a chance late in the game to, to go up, possibly tie the game. Um, they would have needed the, the touchdown and two-point two conversion, but it's not impossible. Um, Falcons did everything that they were trying to, to, to give away the game. Uh, fortunately, Bleedy Ray Wilson uh, intercepted Teddy Bridgewater uh, with a little over a minute remaining, and the rest is easy from there. Take a couple kneel downs and, and game over. Um, you want to you want to think that these. I want to point out too that those those games against Detroit, the game against Chicago, and the game against Dallas, um, Atlanta had a 96% chance, according to ESPN's, um, I forget what they call it. It's their their win probability chart. Um, 
They had a chance to win each of those games. 96% was in their favor or more. I I think in the Chicago or the Dallas game, it was up to 99.9% that their chance was to, to win that game. And they still ended up losing. You don't want to see that. You don't want to see that continue. And I was hoping that the new coaching regime would um, correct that. And obviously, I don't think that's the case yet. Uh, they gave, Like I said, they gave away the game against Detroit. And they almost could have given the, way against, the, the game away against Carolina, too. And the problem is, I mean, they sit at 2-6 and six right now. I, I say that they could be 5-3 and three or should be 5-3, and three, but they're not. They're 2-6. and six. Next up, they got Detroit. Or I'm, I'm sorry, they got Denver uh, week nine, which is a one o'clock game um, at home in Atlanta. Um, this is probably going to be their last winnable game on the schedule. That, um, that they'll, I don't know what the line is yet, but it, they, they might be favored for this one. And that could be the last game of the season. I mean, you look at the rest of the schedule, the rest of the way, it gets brutal after their week 10 bye. Um, you got New Orleans, you got Vegas, you got New Orleans again, you got the Chargers, you got the Bucks, you got the Chiefs. Uh, this is not easy. Um, if for some reason they go on a, on a winning streak and bar- start beating some of these teams, I think Raheem Morris has done enough to hopefully be considered for the uh, the head coaching job. Um, but they would need an outstanding finish uh, to this season. I mean, they in my mind they would have to finish ten and six. Go to the playoffs and make some noise playoffs in order for Morris to even be considered for the head coaching job, which I don't think that's possible looking at that schedule. Um, Obviously, I mean, I I think I said earlier that New Orleans isn't as good as they have been uh, the past couple years. I mean, Breeze has looked a little shaky at times. I mean, uh, but they're still going to be right there at the end of the season with Tampa is probably one of the best two teams in the division. The only other games I, th- I think that are winnable are, are the Raiders, um, and that's no gimme, and then the Chargers. Um, so yeah, it's it's definitely an uphill climb for this team uh, to put together enough wins to even possibly even talk about getting back into the playoff race. Um, I know that there's been a lot of talk about who the Falcons fans want as their, their next head coach, and it seems to be a lot of people want Eric Bieniemy from... Kansas City, and I'm all on board. I think with that with that call too. Um, the Falcons over the past decade plus have have had defensive minded coaches. I mean, Dan Quinn was supposed to be a defensive guru, and before him was Mike Smith, um, who came from Jacksonville and was supposed to be great on the defensive side of the ball, and that didn't happen. Uh, the defenses have been atrocious, atrocious over the past. Since 2012, so almost a decade. I mean, with the exception of 2017, um, I think that was the only time that they had a top 10 defense. That's not going to get the job done. You just feel bad for guys like Julio Jones and Matt Ryan who put everything um, and give everything to this team uh, week in and week out. um, And they're not getting any help on the other side of the ball. So I think a lot of Falcons fans are ready for an offensive-minded head coach to come in, uh, which I don't disagree with. I think maybe that can help um, bring in a defensive coordinator uh, where that's just his main focus. Like, I, I don't want any head coach to have any anything to do with the defense. Let a coordinator worry about that. Let them handle that. 
and hopefully it gets better. Um, but Bienemy's been great uh, the entire time that he's been with Kansas City. Granted, they have Patrick Mahomes there, and he's young, and the style of quarterback that the league seems to um, be trending towards these days. You know, Mahomes, uh, Deshaun Watson's, Lamar Jackson's. Uh, Matt Ryan is none of those guys. Uh, Matt Ryan's a 35-year-old man that's a pocket passer. Um, so who knows if the enemy's offense would work as well um, under Matt Ryan as it does with the, or, um, Patrick Mahomes. The only positive is is that I think coming from the Andy Reid coaching tree uh, really helps. Uh, they've had some success, a lot of successful coaches come off that tree. So the enemy could be the next one. Uh, we'll just have to wait and see after this season how things play out and where the Falcons go. Um, but the rest of the season is kind of just a, I win the games and, you know, hopefully they're competitive and people talk about tanking and Trevor Lawrence and all that. None of these guys are going to go out there and try to tank these games and lose these games. They want to go out there and win. Um, I would, do I, do I think that the Falcons need to potentially draft Matt Ryan's successor? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I just said, Matt Ryan's 35 years old. He's not getting any younger. Um, so yeah, they need to start thinking about um, drafting somebody to get in there that's going to be the, the successor to Ryan. Um, because if I had to guess and I thought about how much longer Ryan is going to be with this franchise, I know he wants to retire here. I know Leo Jones wants to retire there uh, with the Falcons, but I mean, ultimately that's not their call. These guys are just getting older um so if i had to guess i think ryan is probably with the the falcons through the 2021 season and then it's a crapshoot from there um there's no way that the falcons are cutting ryan or trading ryan this season um his dead cap hit next year is almost 50 million dollars there's no way um that he's not on this team next year um but if for if they were fortunate enough to get a top three top four draft pick um everybody's you know on the the tank for trevor or the the justin fields bandwagon and those guys would be great to have but i think the falcons are going to falcon and they'll win a few games the rest of the season and they'll be out you know maybe a top 10 uh, draft pick but they won't be near um the top of the board to to get one of these these quarterbacks that are coming out this season so Let's just forget that, forget about that and move on. And Ryan will be with this team next year. And if I, you know, if personally, I would love to see Ryan finish his career as an Atlanta Falcon. Same with Julio Jones. Uh, I don't think people and fans are going to realize when these guys are gone, how much you're going to miss them. Um, just think about what it was like before uh, Ryan arrived in Atlanta. I mean, you had joey harrington starting you had byron leftwich you had just really some bad quarterbacks uh for a long time and ryan has been a steady steady as a rock since he was drafted in 2008 and that doesn't come around very often um you look at teams that are still and have been searching for their quarterbacks for how long i mean look at jacksonville right i mean look at cleveland um the list goes on. Miami. I mean, I know they have um, two of there now, and he'll be starting this week for the first time this season. Um, but these guys, the, these court, these teams have been looking for quarterbacks for years. 
they would love to have a Matt Ryan. They would love to have that stability. And to be to hear these fans and read these things on Twitter that they're ready to to kick him out of town and and say thanks for your years of service, but we don't want you here anymore. And it's you're the problem. Meaning Matt Ryan is the problem to this team, which couldn't be farther from the truth. And anybody that says that isn't watching these games. Um, he's not the one that's out there giving up last second scoring drives and putting their team in a, in a position to lose these games. It's it, that defense is just not good. Um, and yeah, Matt Ryan's had some stinkers, um, this year he's had a couple, he had a few games, um, back to back where he didn't play very well, but he can't be Superman all the time. Um, that'll never happen. And especially as he gets older. So I think it's just pump the brakes on, on, let's say getting rid of Matt Ryan and, and, um, enjoy it while he's still here. Um, same, same with Julio Jones and the the Falcons have had a pretty good track record of drafting receivers. So I think even after Julio leaves, this team will still be in good hands. I mean, Calvin Ridley's one of the young and upcoming stars in this league. Uh, for the past three seasons, he's he's looked phenomenal. Um, grabs a bunch of touchdowns. So yeah, Falcons are in good hands. And I mean, before you look at, before uh, Julio came in, you went from Roddy White to Julio. Um, So, and then from Julio to Calvin Ridley. So I think everybody's, you know, the Falcons will be fine at wide receiver. I still, I I still don't want Julio to go anywhere. Um, He deserves as well to be, uh, retire as a Falcon. Um, I just hope that by the time their their tenures end here, that they both retire with Super Bowl rings. They both deserve it. Um, I think that's really that's really it for my the, my rant on the Falcons. Um, the next thing that I wanted to touch on really quick was uh, the Chicago White Sox. So if you again, if you listen to the first uh, episode of this podcast. You'll know that I'm a White Sox fan, and I have been since I was a kid. Um, And I was really happy to see the improvement with this team over this past season. So many young guys. um, They're exciting. Um, Made it to the playoffs for the first time since 2008, which the last time they were in the playoffs, I was actually at a game um, at the U.S. Cellular Field, which is what it was called at the time. Um, and that seems like forever ago. So it was good to see them get back. Um, and if you watch them at all, you'll know that a lot of their problems was the depth of the starting pitching. Um, and that really came back to bite them in the wild card round against Oakland. Uh, game three, Dane Dunning started and Ricky Renteria pulled him after, after 15 pitches. Um, which... I, that's inexcusable. And I mean, it, that can completely shoot down a guy's confidence um, moving forward after 15 pitches, you're pulling them. And it was just a disaster from there. The White Sox, the pitching, I mean, they need a solid third starter um, going into next season. And I guess the bigger news uh, was that the White Sox decided to uh, fire R- Ricky Renteria after the season. Uh, which gave hope to a lot of White Sox fans that they would be hiring somebody along the lines of A.J. Hinch or Alex Cora, uh, somebody that can lead this team 
for years to come with a young core, young guys, um, a younger manager, um, and this team would be set up for the next 10 years. Um, instead, what they decided to go out and do was hire 76-year-old Tony LaRusa. Now, Tony LaRusa was fired back in 1986 uh, by then GM Hawk Harrelson, um, but still remained good friends with White Sox owner Jerry Reinsdorf. Um, and this seemed like a move that was made more by Reinsdorf than anything else. Um, to kind of give you a little bit of, of a recap, um, after LaRusa was fired from the White Sox in 1986, uh, he went to Oakland where he won a title in 1989, um, but he also had uh, the Bash brothers there, Jose Canseco and Mark McGuire. Um, then he moved along to St. Louis where he won two titles in 2006 and 2011 uh, with Albert Pujols as the, uh, the main piece there um, and retired after the 2011 season. And he's been in the baseball operation since. Um, he hasn't been totally out of the game uh, for almost a decade, but he hasn't managed a team in almost a decade. And my question is, and I mean, we all know that LaRusse has had some questionable comments in the past. Um, but my main thing is, is, is how is a 76-year-old man supposed to relate to 20-something-year-old players? I mean, it just makes absolutely no sense to me. My mind is blown. And I, I, my personal opinion is, is that I think the White Sox blew this opportunity. And I hope that it works out, and I hope I'm wrong, but I just see this failing on so many different levels. Um, LaRusse is not a big fan of... He's, he's not a big fan of bat flips and... All the, the new age things. He loves the unwritten rules of baseball. He loves the sportsmanship of the game. And sportsmanship is a big part of it. And it should be. Um, but all these written unwritten rules. Like I was reading something this morning. About how he felt about the Fernando Tatis um, Grand Slam. When, um, Saint Lu- or, um, when San Diego was ahead in their game. And he said it was uncalled for. And it shouldn't have happened. Um, and that's, that's not the take that these players want to hear these days. And I think there was a quote from Tim Anderson that said, the only thing that Fernando Tatis should be sorry for is apologizing about hitting a grand slam in that situation. And he's absolutely right. And I just have a feeling that there's going to be some, some clashing of styles and... I think this thing's going to blow up. Um, I, I honestly think that this is going to be like a one and done kind of deal. I just, I, I feel like the game is past the Rusa bye and maybe I'm just bitter. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, the White Sox are going to be contenders going into next season. And it's an exciting time to be a White Sox fan. I just feel like this is really, really, um, putting a, a bad mark on this or a bad start to this offseason. Um, I know that Marcus Stroman, who's, you know, been 
not linked to the White Sox, but I know a lot of White Sox fans wouldn't mind seeing Marcus Stroman uh, come to the South Side to be a a piece of the to the rotation. And Stroman, I, I feel he's been liking things on Twitter that are against Larusa. So I think even thinking that Stroman would come to the South Side to pitch is now a far-fetched um, scenario. So that leaves the focus on on Trevor Bauer. I think as the White Sox main a main target um, for a pitcher, uh, and it seems like they um, they also need right field help. So the Mazzara experiment this well this year didn't go so well. So we'll see we'll see what happens moving forward. Um, but yeah, those I'm not happy. I am not happy about it at all. Um, and I know many other White Sox fans aren't as well. So we'll see what happens going going forward into next year. But those are the main things that I wanted to chat about today. Um, thank you for listening. Uh, I hope to, to bring you more episodes that are closer together than almost a year apart. That's not ideal. Um, I'm going to try to do this every week. I want to do this on Wednesday or Tuesday or Wednesday, I think, after each week of the NFL season. Uh, kind of go over some of the major like news and notes, some stuff that's happened, um, and then kind of preview what the Thursday night's game is going to be as well. Um, but I'm going to try to branch outside of football too. So we'll see. It's a work in progress. Um, appreciate anybody that listens to this. Uh, thank you for your time, and we'll catch up again on Logs Lounge. Thanks. Have a good one. Bye.